0: You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Thank you for that. All right, keep your Bibles out. Hebrews chapter number 6. And let me encourage you, keep your Bible out, follow along, take some notes. Uh, This last week we started chapter 6 and... Uh, just uh, getting into the necessity of growing in our faith And you know, if we're going to grow in our faith It's going to take some work And it's going to take some study uh, It's going to take some insight And so here tonight, we're going we're gonna to be in the book tonight And looking at verses This passage of scripture that we just read a few minutes ago Is probably the most misunderstood passage in the word of God uh, this is probably the most debated passage in the Word of God. And so with that, uh, we want to make sure that we are uh, keeping things in context. So, uh, it, of course, this uh, passage, it uh, immediately follows that admonition, the teaching, the chastening of, of the, the apostle here as he is writing to believers and telling them that they've got to grow in their faith. They've got to grow. They've got to, they've got to mature. If Paul, I believe Paul was the writer here, if Paul was standing here, he'd be saying, grow up. Have you ever looked at a teenager and said, grow up? <laughs> Have you ever looked at another adult and just said, grow up? Now, spiritually speaking, we got to grow up. we got to grow up. We, we've got we've to quit just being content with being saved. Now, I'm thankful that I'm saved. I'm thankful for the doctrines I've been taught. But just the basics are not where we're supposed to stay. That's why last week we preached the message, Let us move on. And with that, it's that moving forward, it's that growing, and so uh, here, that's what we need to do. Colossians two seven, our theme verse of the year, rooted up and built in Him, and established in the faith as He have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Uh, go back to Hebrews chapter five, and we'll look at. We're going to look at a lot of Bible tonight, and it'll be on the screen. But if you have your Bible, get it out, let's walk through it, see it for yourself, Uh, put some jots, some underlines, some cross-references, it'll be a help to you. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Where everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of, an, of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So the continuation of that same message uh, is where we're at in chapter number six. Uh, it's a continuation. It's not separated by chapter and uh, and and verse number classifications. Uh, we we look at a chapter and it's like, okay, that's the end. Uh, I stop reading till next week or till next uh, the next time I open my Bible up. That's not how the Bible works. The Bible is was a le- it was a letter. It was written as a whole. Uh, It would be sort of like if you had a love letter that was written to you when uh, Deb and I were dating. She would write books, Uh, and I would write her a paragraph, hope you have a good day, (laughs) Uh, a sentence. Uh, But she would write books. I mean, it would just be page after page. And I'm like, what in the world do you say? And so uh, she would just keep on, she would keep on communicating and she still does that. She keeps on communicating. She's smiling, it's okay. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, that communication and, and if she wrote a letter and she finished a paragraph and I said, okay, I'll close that letter and then I'll come back uh, the next day and then start over at that next spot, no, it was a continuation. And the same thing here in the scripture, it's a continuation. Uh, it's, it's written out that way. So uh, we go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Uh, let's go ahead and read that. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of Uh, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we do if God permit. Uh, And uh, this, uh, and this we will do, uh, will we do uh, if God permit. Uh, This going on unto perfection, uh, it's not if God is willing. If God permits, He's not saying, if God allows me to grow, I'll grow. That's not what he's saying. He is saying, if God gives me life, the opportunity to be able to continue in my growth. It's not that if God wills that I grow. It is God's will that you grow. And it's not that God is going to withhold the opportunities of growth. If we don't grow, it's not God's fault. And sometimes people say, well, if God permits, I'll grow. No, that's not what that Bible is teaching us right there. What the Bible is teaching us, uh, put a cross-reference, go to James chapter 4, uh, and and here what we're finding is just the attitude of a mature believer is, I have to realize and recognize that Anything that I have opportunity to do is only at the the grace and the the opportunity that God gives to me. Uh, James chapter four verse fifteen. He said, "For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live." And do this or that. So it that is just a mature believer's mentality. That if God gives me the opportunity to live, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to that perfection. I am going to to continue to grow if I am given the opportunity to live and to uh, and I have a tomorrow because we don't know what we have uh, uh, previously in that chapter four of James. Uh, the the Bible tells us that what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. We don't know what the morrow is going to hold. So if God wills, if God permits, I will have a tomorrow. And if I have a tomorrow, then I'm going to work towards growing in my faith. It's it's not going to be that my faith is hindered because God has not permitted me to grow. If I don't grow, that responsibility is on me. Amen. And so here, this is an attitude uh, of recognizing that without the Lord, we could do nothing. Uh, and so uh, this 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 exhortation to grow would not been given if it was just case or Sarah. If it if it was just Uh, If it was just the attitude uh, of what will be, will be, then there would have been no admonition to grow and to leave the doctrines of, uh, of the principles of Christ. It wouldn't be to move on unto maturity if it was just, well, whatever happens, happens. Uh, so, so here, this, this attitude of uh, recognizing our need to grow, we're going we're to look at these verses and I think they will be helpful to us. So let's go to our text now, uh, we're still laying some groundwork, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. The Bible says, for it is impossible for those who want, were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again under repentance, seeing that they crucified themselves the Son of God afresh, and put Him to an open shame. Now, is this passage where it says falling away, is it talking about? Salvation. Because if we look at this passage and we read this passage, we could we could get the idea that salvation is something that we can fall away from. And tonight I want to preach to you, speak to you on the uh, the, the title, fall away from what? Fall away from what? And let's pray. Father, I do pray that you'd give us insight and wisdom. Uh, Lord, these passages, I pray that you'd help us uh, to truly have some understanding and clarity in our thought. Help us to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to settle uh, some of the concern that some may have as they read these passages uh, I pray that you would settle hearts. I pray that you would give us the ability; those that should be teachers to be able to uh, convey the truths of these scriptures to those that come to them asking questions. Help us to be able to rightly divide your word. So bless now, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. All right. So there are many interpretations of how this these verses are interpreted, uh, and with that. Uh, some will take these verses and they will they will try to to show some some of the terms that are used and they use it in a in in the the term and the teachings of apostasy uh, and with that apostasy uh, stating that someone uh, these these individuals were uh, some say that these individuals were saved and they then uh, walked away from their salvation, they fell away, and it was impossible for them to be renewed to repentance. As in, it was impossible for them to regain their salvation. Others will state that these verses were, were directed towards people who were Judaizers, who had come right to the door of salvation They had had experienced some of the teachings of the Word of God. They had experienced some of the teachings and leadings of the Spirit of God. But they had never gotten saved and they rejected Christ. And then that they would, because they rejected Christ, they would never have another opportunity to be saved. But with that, I've got a couple... A couple things that I, that I look at as I'm looking at these passages of Scripture and, and I've got problems with those, those statements uh, because, first of all, you have to interpret Scripture with Scripture. Uh, Warren Wiersbe, uh, he made a statement. Uh, he said, we always uh, interpret the obscure by the obvious. And when there is scripture, the word of God is very clear, doctrinally speaking, then we've got to make sure that we don't take some obscure passage of scripture and then create a whole no, a new, uh, new doctrine. Uh, this is not some parenthetical uh, doctrine that stands all by itself opposing the rest of the word of God. The Bible does not contradict itself. God is smarter than that. Now, I have contradicted myself, and I have made mistakes, but you won't find them in God's Word. Why? Because God is perfect, and His Word is perfect. People say, the Bible is full of mistakes. Show me one. And they always get quiet. Oh, they're, they're everywhere. Okay. Go ahead. Show me. You see, uh, God, God, is, God is a perfect God. And, and we don't have to rationalize to justify God. We just have to come and try to figure out what he has revealed to us. And in that revelation, we find that God has revealed himself several ways. God has revealed himself to us through his his creation. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. And and we see how creation just, just shouts out that there is a creator. God revealed himself through his creation. God has revealed himself through his Son, God has revealed himself through his word, and God has revealed himself through his Holy Spirit. And when we we look at the revelation of God to man, then we have to come to the word of God and say, okay, help me understand what you have for me here. And so uh, when we look here at these these different uh, uh, ideas that you can lose your salvation, the Bible is very clear that salvation is eternal." Let me say that again. Salvation is eternal. Salvation is eternal. You can't lose your salvation. You can't. You can't lose your salvation. There isn't anything you did to get it, and there isn't anything you can do to lose it. salvation is eternal. Let me tell you something. We have to grab a hold of that because if we can't grab a hold of our eternal security, we will struggle with everything else in the Christian life because we'll keep coming back to it. If I can't trust God for my eternal being, then I'm going to struggle with my temporal being. If I can't trust him with my eternity, then I am not going to trust him with my finances. I'm not going to trust him with my marriage. I'm not going to trust him with my uh, my relationships. I'm not going to trust him with my life. So we've got to get this eternal security thing nailed down. Now the Bible has it nailed down. It's nailed down. Do we believe the Bible? Do we we believe the Bible? All right, so let's look at it here. Let's look at some verses, because if if this verse is saying that, that salvation, if this obscure verse is saying that we can fall away from our salvation, then our Bible is not true. I didn't say our Bible is not true. I said, if we can lose our salvation, then our Bible is not true. So, so then there has to be a problem with this interpretation, right? Okay, so let's look at some things. Uh, once a person is born again, they are a child of God. Go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, uh, and as you're going there, John 1:12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Uh, But once a person is born again, they are a child of God. John chapter 3, look at verse number 1. Here Jesus himself is witnessing to a man. All right, do you think Jesus is going to give a clear explanation of salvation? Are we awake tonight? All right, so, so here Jesus is going to explain salvation to a religious man. And so Jesus is not going to confuse anything. He's going to make sure it's very clear. Uh, Verse number 1, "...there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews." The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, truly, truly, is what he's saying, truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Look down at verse number five. Jesus answered, verily, verily, again, truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Spirit. And so, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. So here we have the two births that are being laid out. The natural birth, being born of the water. Then we have the spiritual birth, that being born of the Spirit. And if you're saved, you are saved because you were born again. Uh, a spiritual birth. Just like there is the natural birth, there is a spiritual birth. The term being born again. Uh, and if you have not had a, the experience experience of salvation, then you need to get saved. And I'm not saying that salvation is a, uh, a, some type of emotional experience, but salvation is an experience. You should be able to go to a time, a place in your life where you recognize that you are a sinner in need of a savior and by faith you ask Christ to become your savior. You ask him to forgive your sins and to be your savior. And If you've not done that, just recognizing that God exists and that Jesus came to the cross, that's not enough. You have to receive him, but as many as received him. To them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Uh, stay in John. Look down at verse number thirty-six, John three thirty-six. He said, "He that believeth on the Son hath what are those next two words? What, what are those two words? Everlasting life. How long is everlasting? Forever, forever. It's everlasting." It's everlasting. It never changes. It never changes. He said. He said. He that believeth on the Son hath. That is present tense, brother. Uh, brother. <laughs> brother Rosal. Brother Ken. You, if you have asked Christ to save you, you right now possess e everlasting life. You have it now. You don't have to wait till you die. You don't have to wait for some eternal uh, t- uh, experience when, when one day you leave this earth to then get eternal life. No, when you got saved, you at that moment, you possess eternal life. Everlasting life. Praise the Lord. Uh, he that hath the Son hath everlasting. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth on him. It's either you believe or you don't believe. Either, either you have received Christ or you have rejected Christ. Uh, you either have uh, condemnation or you have forgiveness and everlasting life. That's, there's no in between. John 5, 24. John 5, 24, I know a lot of verses, I know they're up on the screen, uh, but I want you to see this in your Bible, and it should just, as as you're holding that Bible, and as you're reading these scriptures, they should just bring peace to your soul if you are a child of God. If you're not a child of God, these should create an appetite, hunger, a desire to have that salvation and it's worth having. John 5, 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, what are those two words? (laughs) Everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. John chapter 10, John chapter 10, Say, Pastor, why are we looking at all these verses? Because the Bible is very clear on this doctrine of eternal security. John chapter 10, look at verse 26. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them, what? Eternal life. And they shall never Perish. Never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Let me tell you something. You could not get out of the hand of God if you wanted to. People will say, well, you know, uh, you can't really lose it, but you can walk away from your salvation. You can't walk away from your salvation. For you to get out of the hand of God, you would have to be stronger than God the Father. You would have to be stronger than God the Son. And you would then have to be able to get out of the hand of the Almighty. And let me tell you something. We couldn't get out if we wanted to get out. We couldn't be unborn if we wanted to be unborn. Just like you can't be unborn now. You're born. You're here. And once you receive Christ... You're a child of God. I remember as a teenager, this is is how stupid this teenager was. I remember feeling so convicted. I, I decided I wanted to go back towards my old life as a teenager. And I started going back and the guilt and the conviction, the conviction was so strong. I was miserable. I mean, just thinking about going the wrong way, I mean, I was miserable. And I remember laying on my bed thinking, I wish I'd never got saved. I can't have any fun anymore. Now, that's stupid. Uh, But that's how stupid this guy was. I I remember thinking, man alive, I've got so much conviction, I just can't get away from it. Uh, If I wouldn't have gotten saved, at least I could have gone out and done whatever it was, the sins that I was wanting to uh, get back into. But let me tell you something, the Spirit of God would not let me go. You know why? Because I was a child of God. I'm a child of God. Romans chapter number 8, Romans chapter 8, we're not bored of the Bible tonight, are we? Romans chapter 8, this is another passage that people have problems with. The the Calvinists have problems with this passage of scripture. The Bible doesn't have problems with the Calvinists. The Calvinists just have problems with the Bible. And so here, uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, the Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his pur- purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, uh, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now, that word predestined uh, is to predetermine. Now, God did not predetermine some people to go to heaven, another peoples to go to hell. Uh, We have a God who is a God through his foreknowledge. He is all-knowing. He did not have to wait till April 23rd, 1983 for him to write my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Why? He already knew I was going to get saved. Uh, he knew it, uh, and because of that, God, through His foreknowledge, He He pre he, he predestined that I was to be conformed to the image of His Son. And you know what? If you're saved, God had in His foreknowledge already knew before you were ever born that you were going to receive Him. It wasn't that God predetermined. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Ken goes to heaven. Karen goes to heaven. Uh, the boys go to heaven. We know which one's going to hell. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so, uh, but no, the Lord didn't do that. He wasn't predetermined in who would receive him. God, through his foreknowledge, knew who would receive him and who would reject him. Uh, Romans chapter 9 and 10, dealing with the sovereignty of God. He goes in and he talks about Pharaoh. Uh, God uh, hardened Pharaoh's heart. God, through his foreknowledge, knew that Pharaoh was going to reject him. God's pretty smart. He who inhabits eternity, Isaiah 53, uh, here he is, God still is. He inhabits present tense eternity. God is right now before the world ever was. God still is on the first day of creation. God is March March 27th. 2022, God still is when time is no more. We've got an amazing God. And with that, we see, the Bible is very clear on this thing uh, called eternal life. So I told you I had two, two problems with these premises that you could lose your salvation. The Bible is very clear on eternal security. Secondly, the word apostasy" of uh, the Greek word apostasia is never used in this passage of Scripture. It's not used. And so, for for those to uh, attempt to uh, attach apostasy uh, to this, uh, it is it is it's not even a word that's mentioned in this. Uh, passage of scripture. The word for fall away in Hebrews chapter six, go back there. Hebrews chapter 6. the word uh, ap- the word fall away uh, it's one word, those two English words fall away is one Greek word parapipto and, and that is a word to fall alongside. to fall beside, to fall along, to fall alongside. And, and here uh, we see that uh, salvation uh, is a gift, and this, this salvation is a gift. So let's look at it and break down. I've got about another hour of, uh, of notes here, and I've got about, uh, uh, about, six, about 60 minutes worth of time. And so we'll look at this uh, together. Hebrews chapter 6, let's look at verse 4. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 4, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and of the powers of the world to come. So, so some say that this was dealing with those that were apostates and they lost their salvation, uh, which that is not a biblical view. You cannot lose salvation. Then we see that there was this this other group that said that these were people that were unsaved and they were attempting, they came right to the door of salvation, but they rejected salvation. So let's look at the the explanation of these words, these terms that are being used. Uh, First of all, he said, uh, it's impossible for those. So the group of people that we're talking about uh, here, uh, they were once enlightened. The word once means once and for all. Once. You know what? When God says something and then he says once, it's once. He said they were once enlightened. The word enlightened, uh, fotizo, it is the illumination. They were once, once and for all, illuminated. They were once and for all, uh, once, once for all, uh, they were enlightened, all right? Then he said they had tasted of the heavenly gift. Now, tasted, it is, it is an experience. It means that they have experienced the heavenly gift. Now, the heavenly gift is salvation. So here we see the people, those They were once enlightened, The those, they were were those that had tasted the heavenly gift. Now, I don't know about you, but I've tasted the heavenly gift. Uh, Salvation, uh, what a gift. And the gift is not just forgiveness. The gift is not just heaven. uh, The gift is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you have received him, that's what salvation is. And here, uh, they tasted of the heavenly gift. Uh, They were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Now, partaker, it's receiving a share of something. So these individuals, they had received uh, a possession. They had received something, the Holy Ghost. Uh, If you receive the Holy Ghost, you are saved. You're saved. So, so these individuals that are, being, that are being listed go to Ephesians chapter 4. But these, these, these group of people, the those there that he's dealing with, these are not lost people. These are not people that, that had come to the door of salvation and rejected. These are people that were saved. These are people that are, were saved. Now, when we look at this, they're saved individuals. We have verses that that could be construed to mean that you could fall away from your salvation. And that's how it is taught. But Ephesians chapter 4, going back to receiving the Holy Ghost, the Bible says in verse 30, And grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let me tell you something. Your salvation is not sealed by you. Your salvation is sealed by the Spirit of God. It's sealed. It's sealed. It's a it's done deal. It's a done deal. And what a blessing. Uh, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not a piece of something. It's not like we just get a little bit of them here and a little bit of them there. It's not a bunch of pixie dust that we're passing around. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God moved in. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Pastor, I already know all this. Good, you must be a teacher. Who are you teaching? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. When you got saved, the Spirit of God moved in. One of the best ways to know you are a child of God is the conviction of the Spirit of God. That's how I got the absolute assurance of my salvation, is because... I couldn't go back. And if I did, there was it was miserable. <laughs> it's miserable. I mean, it's just amazing what God will convict you about after you get saved. He doesn't just convict you about drinking and drugging. He convicts you about a whole lot of other things too, doesn't He? About thoughts, about attitudes, about envy, about jealousy, Pride, greed, it's not just all the outside stuff, but these individuals, they had tasted uh, of the Spirit of God. They had tasted the good word of God, verse number 5, Hebrews chapter 6. They had tasted of the good word of God. That means that they had experienced the, 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 uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, promises of God to man. They had, they had experienced that. They had received the word of God, and they had experienced God's truth. This is a saved group of people. This is a saved group of people. So Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 5, and have tasted the good word of God and of the powers of the world to come. The word powers there is the Greek word dunamis. It's the same word that we get the word dynamite from. And here he said that they have tasted the power of the worlds to come. They have experienced the, the, the power of the eternal down here in a life of the temporal You know, only the believer lives for the by and by here and now. What would would ever cause us to give 10, 15, 20, 30% of our income? What What would ever cause us to come to a building three days a week, three times a week? What would cause us to... Give up a life of what the world says is fun. You know why? Because we have tasted of the heavenly gift. We have tasted, the, we have experienced the eternal, the power of the eternal to come, the heavens to come. The experiencing the eternal, the, the heavenly down here right now. It literally means the possess, possession of the controlling influence of the heavenly. Being led by the heavenly. So this, this has to be a saved group of people. So then if we have a saved group of people, is this falling away, talking about them falling away from Salvation. Are they falling away? Verse number six, Hebrews chapter six, verse six. If they shall fall away. Now, you got to remember go back to uh, verse number four, uh, Hebrews. Let me find it in my Bible again. uh, Hebrews chapter six, uh, and verse number four. uh, The first four words here for it is impossible. And then if you skip down to verse number 6, it's impossible. And then it gives some, some explanation of the people that he's referring to. But it's impossible for what? Verse number 6, if they shall fall away. It's impossible if they shall fall away, this group of people, this saved group of people, it's impossible if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. If they shall fall away to renew them unto repentance, seeing they crucified themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. So if they, the saved, shall fall away, para pipto, uh to fall alongside or beside, it's in- impossible for them, uh, those who were enlightened, uh, if they, the enlightened, shall fall away uh, to renew them again unto repentance. Now, the word repentance here is is the word metanoia, and it means a change of heart, mind, direction. It means uh, disposition or behavior, a change in disposition or behavior. Salvation is not mentioned. Salvation is not mentioned. The word repentance here, it says it's impossible if they fall away to renew them unto repentance. So salvation is not mentioned. You know, just because you're saved does not mean that that repentance is out of the picture. Repentance is part of the believer's life. Now, I don't have to repent to get saved again. That's established. I've already been born again. I am already a child of God. And so my eternal relationship with him for eternity, that's already been established. My position is in Christ. But my relationship with him now is determined on how I, t- how I treat him and how I live. August 22nd, 1987. Deb and I got married. Being married, that relationship was established. But if I don't talk to her, let me tell you, I got some things to repent of. If I was mean to one time, one time in the middle of the night, I wake up and I'm getting punched. And I'm like, what's going on? And I grab her, and, what you, what's wrong? She says, she says, I said, honey, you're, you're, you're having a dream. And, and she's like, you are so mean to me. <laughs> and I said, it was a dream. And she hit me again. <laughs> but you were so mean to me. <laughs> it wasn't even real. Beware. I know. I'm, I'm gonna beware. You see, if I don't live right, our relationship is not right. If I don't treat her right, that relationship is not right. Repentance is not something that is absent just because you got saved. 1 John 1:9. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9. 1 John 1:9. Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is not a salvation verse. This is a relationship verse. So here, what we're finding, it is impossible to renew unto repentance. Here, he's not talking about salvation whatsoever. He is talking about a relationship. In First John chapter one and verse nine, uh, he says, "If we confess that word, confess is the Greek word homologeo. It means to say to say the same as to say the same thing about sin as God would say. If we confess our sins." To God, if we are saying to God and we are viewing our sin as God views our sin, if we are looking at our sin and recognizing that it's an affront against the holiness of the Almighty if it is disobedience against God's leading in our life and that we had willfully uh, engaged in something that he was not pleased with, we, we come to him and we confess our sins. This idea that, that I can live any way I want and then say, sorry, that doesn't work. Just like when you mistreat somebody and they look over or they, they, mistreat, they mistreat you and then they look at you and say, oh yeah, I'm sorry. And you're like, you're not sorry. It's not real. But here, when we confess our sins to God, we are looking at our sin like God looks at it. Why is that? Because that relationship has to be reestablished. Not salvation, that is already a done deal. But but having that relationship established with God in our life and, and having that closeness, nothing between my soul and the Savior... What a wonderful chorus that is. And and that's what we desire to have. So salvation here uh, is not mentioned. It does not say renew them unto salvation. You know, God used the word salvation in the Bible. He used the word saved. For by grace are you... Oh, you mean God knew that word? You mean he could have put it there if he meant it? Amen. And let me tell you, the author of Hebrews was not writing this to try to confuse anybody about their salvation or their eternal destiny. He was writing this to help us understand that when we walk away from our salvation, as in the life of the believer, We walk away from the blessings, all the things that God has done for us, and we go back into a life and living as an unsaved person. We are crucifying him afresh. That salvation that he had offered and freely given to us, now we just put him right back on the cross as if we were not saved. It's not that we lost our salvation. It is that we are not living as that saved person. Remember, he's talking to people that are supposed to be mature. He's writing to believers that are supposed to have learned and grown in their faith to where now they are the teachers of other people. And he wanted them to understand the gravity of them walking away from the Christian life. He wanted them to see the, what happens and how God views it. He said, It when a person is in that state, when they are crucifying uh, the Lord again, uh, he is saying uh, that uh, uh, if they shall fall away, it's impossible is that they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. Now, notice here, after the word repentance, verse number six, what is that? What, what is that, uh, uh, that punctuation mark? It's a semicolon. So here we have two independent clauses. These, there could have been a period, and both of these independent clauses could have stood by themselves as a sentence. But they were connected by a transitional word. That next word is a transitional word. What is that next word? seeing. So he's now tying these two independent clauses together, and he's saying, because of this seeing, let me explain it to you. He said, the explanation is coming, uh, and with that seeing, they crucified themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame. Now, there's two key words here, the word crucify and put. Both of those are present participles. And what that is meaning uh, is with that, what he's saying is, while they are present tense crucifying him, while they are present tense putting him uh, to open shame, it's impossible to renew them unto repentance. You know what he's saying? He is saying that while we are in the midst of walking away and living a lifestyle of the unsaved, we are not in a position to be repentant. We are not in a place to, to come back. It's impossible in that situation. It doesn't say that it's impossible for them to repent. It's impossible for them while they are crucifying Christ. While they have lived and are putting him back on the cross as if they were unsaved. Not that they lost their salvation, but as they are living as though they are unsaved. As while they are putting Christ, they have told people that they are a Christian and now they are living like a lost person. What are they doing? They are putting Christ to shame. And Let me tell you something. There are believer after believer after believer who who have fallen away And they've put Christ to shame. They have drugged the name of Christ through the mud. And God is saying while they are doing that, it's impossible for them to renew, be renewed unto repentance. You know when a person is going to come to repentance, it's when they recognize their current condition. There has to be an awareness. Where am I at? How did I get here? And boy, did I blow it. But in the midst of all of that, there's no repentance. It's the believer that just throws that casual, sorry, God, or, or, Or whatever else, immoral behavior. Sorry, God. He said, You forgive me. Just keep engaging in that sin. God's saying, That's not when anybody repents. And this, this idea of repentance here is not referring to salvation, it is referring to a believer who is supposed to be mature. It's a warning. Don't allow yourself to go back into the world. Don't allow yourself to let down your guard. There is, a, there is an enemy, the evil one. He is a roaring lion. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. And you and I, we've got to recognize that we are frail human beings. And we need the Almighty to lead us and guide us We've got to keep track of our our own personal walk and not allow ourselves to get drawn back in the world. I was talking to somebody this last week. Sometimes people will hear the testimony of how a believer went, went AWOL and then got things right with God and came back and our our teenagers or our kids will think well they did it they sowed their wild oats and they came back and it's all good so that's what I'm going to do most of them don't come back most don't ever make it back and the danger here is being taught to the mature believer hey be on guard don't go back because you go back out into that world, you go back into that lifestyle of the lost, in that condition, it'll be impossible to renew unto repentance. doesn't say you can't get repentance, but in that condition, there won't be repentance. That open choice of engaging in sinful behavior. There's no token I'm sorry that will fix it. And that here is what God is talking about. He's not talking about losing your salvation. Salvation is eternal. Amen. Let's not let's not walk away from all that he has done for us. Let's be on guard. That's what mature believers do. They're aware. They're on guard. They're making sure, hey, I'm not giving place to the devil in my life. Why? Because I don't want to sacrifice my relationship with God. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us all to look into our own lives. And maybe there are some areas that we have let slide. Maybe there's some areas... Uh, Of mature believers where we've let down some guards. I pray that you would just put your finger on them uh, and help us, Lord. I pray that you would help us to have that uh, confidence in our salvation and, and the gift of salvation. And so I pray that you just bless now. Speak to hearts as only you can, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number 4, me.org. May God bless you.